podcast. podcast. Do do Podcast. Two hoes. Two hoes. Four house on the hill. From Delco. Four house on the hill. Boop, oh, boop. yeah, that's a recording right now yes i am and you're on speakerphone no everyone everyone just heard me on speakerphone whatever i can i can edit it out that's what podcasters do oh my god and now my mom's calling me all right all right i need her come into consciousness um i really do have to take No, this is the right Marine. Hey. Hi. I I have to do a lot of editing because I also, when I called you, it was your voicemail and it, and so your phone number is literally on the podcast. Oh yeah. We can't have that. (laughs) Um, because my phone was hooked up to the Bluetooth still, like I thought I, I guess I didn't disconnect it completely. Mm. And, um, so your phone call, like we would have been just broadcast throughout the house. So oh, wow. I had to hang up on you. Um, well, thank you for not broadcasting me around the house. Although you are on speakerphone right now. Yeah. Um, so uh, you're listening to two hosts from Delco. We we haven't potted in a while. And we both, Marie and I also just quit social media. So uh, I don't know what to, to say. This is a very like, private kind of podcast now i guess yeah because we don't (laughs) what i feel like it being a diary is fine because again these times we're going through i think we need to document our experience um our our fame will come later don't worry it'll be sold as like a set i was yeah that's right it'll be like a a limited edition (laughs) disc set of two hosts from delco's i would like two hosts from delco on a cd or like um, on vinyl, that would be even better if you could really hear our voices. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it just sounds so much more live on vinyl. <laughs> oh, hours and hours and hours of this. Um, but so our I so we haven't potted Wait, in a January, while. January January tenth, twenty twenty one is Jan- today. And also, your birthday's in a couple Don't days. Stop it! Shut up! Fuck you! I got you a present, but it got, it got lost in the mail. So there's no, everything's lost in the mail. Yeah, there's no way it's gonna get to you by the time it's your birthday. That's okay. I think it's really nice that you got me a present because I didn't get you a present. Um, although I did buy for myself a present from your Redbubble, and actually a couple. Well, there was one I got. Um, I gave my mom a notebook with the cartoon of the bear, the uh, the they bear. Oh, making friends during quarantine. Okay, how did she like it? She loved it. She loves it. Um, she loves that you, it was your like thing too. She just fucking loves it. And then um, I have 
did I get the gas? I couldn't decide. Now I don't remember. Which no, I, I, I think I remember you got the white lighter. You can't. Oh, the white li- I love that one. Yeah. Which I'm <laughs> actually surprised you didn't give that one to your mom. Cause I feel like she would get that. I don't know that she knows about white lighters. Oh, okay. I thought about it, but I was like, I think that's actually generational and regional, and I don't know that she knows about it. But um, when I, oh yeah, because I put that on Instagram, which you know I occasionally yeah. will visit. Um, but one of my one of my old friends was like, yeah, <laughs> and and it's like I was like, I knew you would like that. <laughs> um, she's it's it's such a good comic because it's like the perfect mix of like old school like classic witchcraft and like urban legends. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and then I got a tote bag with the black cat and shadow. Oh, how does the tote bag look? It's nice. It's really big. Um, it's like simple. Um, it's exactly what I needed. Did I do people at your office like it? You know, well, it's... I haven't taken it yet. Cause I oh. don't, I'm like, do I want to take it to work? Cause I honestly like I'll spill coffee all over it. Like it'll get dog shit on it. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Um, well, so that's I'm what like tote bags thinking are for. about keeping it as like a, um, it's, I just feel like not as excited about it because I don't feel like I'm going to be going anywhere soon, but it would be a really good, like, like big bag to put other things in, like if you were going somewhere overnight or a beach bag. Yeah, it'd be a good beach bag. Yeah. Um, but I just don't feel like, oh, any impending fun coming up. So that's why I was like, I'm going to use it for work, but I don't want to ruin it. Uh, people of the pod should know, our listeners of the pod should know. Actually, we don't have listeners. I I prefer people of the pod, not listeners. People of the pod. I love it, Beth. Um, thank you. Um, I was thinking that we should let them know that white lighters are bad luck, just in case we didn't bring that point home. Um, don't use a white lighter. Uh, they will bring bring uh, unimaginable like unimaginable um moments of horror to their life yeah you'll you you'll like lose your cigarettes you'll lose your your you'll break up with your boyfriend yes yes shit like that like teenager teenager worries um yeah you get in a fight with your best friend yeah that's the white lighter that's the realm of the white lighter (laughs) yeah um so don't (laughs) just stay away from them um they're bad luck but in any case um I did our topic today. I did want to like open with um, that. Our topic is going to be about philosophy today. And the reason being is because I felt like our Terrence McKenna episode was very much in the realm of philosophy, but also like I kind of got some stuff wrong um, that I wanted to like reiterate. And and then, yeah. And also I just thought like, um, philosophy kind of runs hand in hand with the Terrence McKenna stuff we were talking about. Um, And, you know, again, I thought it was further opportunity for us to like sound like complete midwits because, you know, we're, this is not an educational podcast and um, Maureen and I, you know, we try our best, you know, we read some books and stuff, but we don't really have um, the intellectual capacity to fully understand everything that's going on around us. So especially like, cause you gave me anxiety by saying philosophy. Cause I was like, Oh my God, I have to like be able to talk about specific philosophers and their philosophies. Uh-huh. And like, that's what it should be, you know, but like, that's not what I did. Yeah. That's, you should not be doing research for this podcast. Absolutely not. So, cause it's not an educational podcast. So, 
I mean, at the beginning of this year of 2020, actually, I was before the pandemic, I was watching, I went through like this hole in YouTube where I was watching like tons of videos about like, you know, YouTube videos about philosophy. So kind of, um, you know, there's that. So that's, that's what you've done for the, this episode. Yeah, that was my refresher. So I was like, it's 20 years since my last, like, uh, you know, undergrad psychology or I mean philosophy class. So, um. I, that was how I just re-upped. I mean, here's a philosophical thought that Gus brought to my mind um, yesterday, too, because I was like, you know, I couldn't, I don't know. I was trying to remember an actress's name or actor. It's insulting to call actresses um, actresses. I don't know if you knew that, but. I kind of picked up on that. I mean, okay. Um, but in any case, I couldn't remember this. We'll also change the Spanish language to not have, like, feminine and masculine, too. Cool. All right. Yeah. And, um, and I'm actually going to like Google, um, the person's name now because I couldn't remember it. Linda Manns. Okay. Who just passed away and which is why I was watching this, um, Terrence Malick, um, movie. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but days of heaven. And I couldn't remember her name. And I was like, God, I'm so stupid because it's literally why I watched this movie. It's literally why I've been watching this director's movie for like the past like month or so and um and I can't remember the actress's name now. I'm such an idiot. And Gus was like, uh, imagine before the internet how dumb people were. Like Yeah. I mean, imagine not knowing like literally not knowing things. Like, yeah, I don't know, but I I mean still... you remember that, Beth. You remember. <laughs> yeah, and I don't remember feeling so stupid. <sighs> no, because you didn't yeah, this was like one of the, I mean, we could not in 1995 imagine having little computers in our hands that had literally all the information that existed mm-hmm. at our fingertips. This is fucking crazy, and it's super Aquarian. Oh yeah, that's like a, a section of the podcast that we wanted to add um, is astrology and politics. Yeah, I um, fuck yes, because it's yeah, it's ha- it's all going down right now, and shit is never going to be the same after this year. So why don't you fill everyone in on what's going on right now? All right, so I'm just going to be really basic because, as you all know, I'm very basic, bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, but so the <clears throat> you don't have to add the bitch part. That's not being nice to yourself. Oh, thanks. You're just basic. Um, how Aquarian of you? <laughs> so astrologically, like a bunch of planets have now moved from. Uh, from Capricorn where they were for 20, like for a long time, years and years and years and up until the end of 2020. Capricorn um, is like what? Have, huh? What is Capricorn? Like, uh, Capricorn, for, like, um, Capricorn is like, Capricorn is my sun sign. Um, Capricorn is like a very serious sign. It is an earth sign. Okay. It's a cardinal sign. Um, so it like, takes action um it's like rooted in the earth and it's like a lot of focus on like hard work and um like those kind of like themes the taskmaster it's ruled by saturn like saturn actually went out of its home sign into aquarius which is an uncomfortable position for saturn and um a really good example of the saturn energy in the in aquarius would be like uh the government like restricting the internet um, so like restrictions, for example, even though like, I love that it happened, I mm-hmm. think that, uh, Donald Trump being banned from Twitter is like a super, is like very much a Saturn and Aquarius theme. Um, yeah. like restrictions on, on, 
on technology. Well, if, um, the, if, the, the bill that went through with the stimulus with like all these like restrictions on technology that happened, I don't know the specifics, but yeah. So I wait, there is a, this. wait, there is a bill that went through with the, the cares act. You're talking about that. Um, no, it was the, I think it was like the last one. And I really, I, I don't, I just know that there was bullshit that went through that is going to be restricting, um, Internet. things on like internet technology wow. yeah and like yeah oh yeah like the, a lot of bullshit happened um a lot of, of all of these bills that went through that's like oh it's helping us it's helping us like no like that's like the tip of the iceberg and everything else was like helping rich people as, um, I, I just want to point out as ridiculous as donald trump is on twitter and everything like that i think that it's fucked up that he got banned and that because i mean that means that means if you people have to understand if Twitter is able to do that to the president of the United States, that's very dangerous for for well, the rest of us. So Saturn and Aquarius. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, but the other thing that's happening is there's like all these planets that are like sort of like very close to each other right now. Jupiter, Saturn, I believe like it's like Mars, the sun, the, like they're all together. Mm-hmm. And Aquarius, or excuse me, Uranus, which is the planet of shocks and surprises. So basically like is forming a square, which is like a harsh aspect. I don't want to say a negative aspect, but it's like basically you're going to be seeing a lot of like shocks, surprises, I, like I, on a major scale, because it's going to be throughout this year, just like going past in a square of all of these planets and it's already started. And so it's going to be like effect, like Uranus is going to be affecting in a harsh way. All um, of these like major planets that affect us. All um, I just heard so, right then is Uranus is a spot of shocks and surprises. That's all I heard. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah, that's the most important part. Yeah. So we're going to be having shots and surprises in a lot of different areas. Uh-huh. Um, and it's compounded by the fact that, like, there's a lot of other astrological things going on. Um, like, we're, like, all of these planets, for example, moving from an Earth sign to an air sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and now that these planets are in Aquarius... And then the other part of this is that Uranus is in Taurus, which like Uranus is like a planet of like freedom and like crazy shit happening. Mm -hmm. And like, it's in this earth sign that's like more restrictive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have like Saturn and Jupiter squaring this planet in Aquarius. They're in Aquarius. So they're like in, they're in an air sign. So Jupiter is comfortable there, more comfortable there, but like Saturn is going to not be like, there's going to be friction there. So it's, this Saturn Aquarius squares, which is going to happen three times this year, but it's just going to affect the whole year, um, is going to be signaling these conflicts that we're already seeing between uh, the old and the new, between um, people trying to like keep power and like power shifting. Um, there's going to be restrictions, but it's going to be different types of restrictions. It's going to be probably more restrictions. Like we're going to see the Biden administration come in, things are going to change, and there's going to be more restrictions probably on like. Um, you're going to probably see some restrictions coming in on crypto, which we already know people are trying to do. Um, you know what I mean? So like, there's going to be like these new technologies that are coming up. It's going to get fucking crazy. And then we're probably going to be seeing like restrictions on it and confusion. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like Neptune is involved in a lot of this. I know that Pluto is a very heavy influence right now. So they're like planets of like, Oh, confusion and like what's going on. Um, and like just a lot of that too. Mm -hmm. Um, but the main point is that 
if you're interested in this, like the main thing of this year is these Uranus squares. And if you read about it, it's basically saying the entire world, like we're never going back to the way things were. Things change. It's done. It's never going back. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm fine with that. Same. Seriously. I mean, that's the thing. I, I, I think that there's people, I think many, many, many people in their inside of them have already been feeling this change. It's already been affecting us. Uh Um, There was already a Saturn Uranus square in the spring of 2020 between March and May. So like that gives us an idea of these major things that are going to be coming up. It's going to be the shit that happened around that time is going to be like blowing up this year. Well, I also Um, like your perspective on currency and the moving from earth to air, like earth being like currency from oil and fossil fuels and air being currency, like cryptocurrency, like the internet. Yeah. It's like such a mean thing. Yeah. Uh, But yeah. And I wonder what like that's going to do, because I guess my other thing is like, I mean, with oil, like, things are still needed to be made from oil as a resource. So there must be also alternative. alternative. What's that? It's going to be a gradual transition in a lot of ways, but some things will be sudden. And the sudden things are going to be, like, what's happening in the next year. Well, and I think it might be uh, an indication of turning to alternative energies, kind of, too. Like I think you're right. And if we're talking, you were also saying like that you believe that it predicts that there is going to be a, a new invention, technological invention that will change, um, like a, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of, it's like a key point in technological change, like a, a, like things are going to be changing. It's going to be drastic. It's going to be fast. Yeah. Um, it's going to be things that we never thought we would see. We're going to be amazed. Um, if, if, okay. So with all this shit that's been going on with like all this, like UFO stuff coming out, Uh um, this would be the time that like there would be disclosure. Like this would be the time. And like, no, astrology doesn't like make things happen, but this is just like the time that if it's going to happen, like it's most likely to happen now. Like, just, like, things are going to be coming out. And these Uranus squares are not the only thing going on astrologically. Like, there's all these power shifts. Like, it's going to get fucking crazy. But I don't – and this is what astrologers are saying. It's pro- it's not going to be as hard as last year. It's just going to be fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to do a shout-out to some of, like, the YouTubers that I've been getting this information from. Yeah, and sure. addition, Like, reading some internet articles. But, um, so, Lada Duncheva is an astrologer. Um, Steve Judd Astrology, Benjamin Bernstein, and then um, there's these people also have an app that I've been using. It's called Astro Matrix, and I highly recommend that as well. Um, it's a free app with um, some you know commercials, but you can spend like twenty five dollars and buy like a lifetime thing, and it's actually really expensive. And I did not buy it yet. I plan on probably buying it because I like it so much, but it already, it has so many features. You can look up your chart. You can look up today's chart. You can look up your, like all these things I don't even really understand. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's like uh, above my level, just the free version. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I would recommend that too. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for the, um, astrology political forecast. I guess we should like kind of touch on like recent news and stuff we talked about this a little bit before we started potting but i think we're both on the same page that anything that has come out from you know people rushing the capitol building and everything has been a spectacle it seems like political theater to me yeah and i 
I mean, for me, it just, I, it, I find it so, um, unnerving because it just reveals just how, uh, lost everyone is and how fake and everything is. It's all, this is just like cheap theater. That's what our, think, that's what America is. That's what our politics are. Like, and we're seeing what we are. Like, that's the other things. Like we're going to see through these cracks and like, we're mm-hmm. seeing the truth of like how fucked up we are. Yeah. And like, you know, it's, um, it's scary, but also I'm so ready to get over like holding all this shit. Like I feel like a weight has lifted. Yeah. This was going to happen. Yeah. Something was going to happen and it's not over. No. Um, and it's scary. I, yeah, I don't like, I think I'm It definitely like I've been beginning to feel turned off by protesting, but definitely after seeing that, I'm like really turned off from protesting. I can tell you that like, well, it's part of, like, that group's tactic to, like, turn the things that make sense, like, against us. Like, they take the shit that, like, really actually ma- – like, for example, Josh Hawley lost his book deal, and he blamed it on cancel culture, um, which is not true. But, like, you can see how he's, like, twisting the meaning to um, make the people who were – who to make the people who – previously talked about cancel culture like it makes it like where was a powerful thing to say before and it had meaning now it's meaningless because he just used it you know it's, well it's what really i don't even know what happened so oh I don't well, well josh holly i i he just was like really backing president trump i don't remember what he, uh, there was like something that happened i seriously don't even remember what at this point because so much bullshit has happened something backing him and then he lost a book deal and he's like crying about it i mean people are asking him to resign like him and Ted Cruz, uh-huh. um, because they, during this whole thing, I guess, were like very supportive of people just, um, you know, breaking into the Capitol building and bringing a guillotine with them. They brought a guillotine with them? Oh, yeah. That I thought the left people Beth, did that. It's really, it is really fucked up. Like they brought all kinds of shit with them. Like it appears as if the message was like we were going to execute like some of these people. Um, yeah, yeah, but you, yeah, people, apparently shit went on that was like more fucked up than you know. But like uh, people in on the left bring guillotines to protest all the time, and nobody bats an eye. Oh really? See, like yeah. I actually didn't even know that. Yeah, no, that's like a common theme. I actually saw an Instagram ad of guillotine earrings. Like that, people would fucking wear as a joke. Yeah, no, I, I think that um, because of social media, uh, the right is is um, in tune and in step with left aesthetics that yeah. have been happening at protests, and they're doing the same thing. And well, that makes actually more sense. Yeah, and I don't think that they were actually going to guillotine anyone. I think that because when leftists bring guillotines to the to the I almost said to the podcast, to the protests, they're not, it's not, it's just a prop. And, and there was even people cosplaying in this protest, which you see a lot of cosplay in left protests as well. Like these people are mirroring each other. Like, um, I think the horseshoe theory of politics, which is the theory that the left and the right are actually the same, 
um, yes. <laughs> like showing is showing like, well, cause we want the same things. And, and, and I couldn't figure out why after this happened, suddenly I was mm-hmm. having these compassionate feelings toward these people because yeah. they've been completely taken advantage of by the president of the yeah. United States. But also like, yeah, I mean, no, if you're white power, like you're a fucking piece of shit. That's all I'm talking about. I am talking about like how all this shit went down. Um, it was manipulated by someone in power who these people trust and no it's matter how fucked up their agenda is, it's, it's like, it's the misuse of power and it's like manipulation of the people and taking like, because like they're deeply in need. People are doing these protests because they're deeply in need. They need money. Yeah. They need healthcare. Right. They're frustrated. Right. It's been years exactly. and they've been working at the same job for 20 years and no raise Amen. and, and people are dying because they can't afford fucking insulin. And that's why this Keep happens. Going. Like, and fuck you. Fuck yes. everybody. Fuck you, Biden. Fuck All you, right. Kamala. Fuck you, Trump. Fuck all you motherfuckers. Fuck you, every single oh motherfucking my. piece of shit in Congress that I'm paying for their good health care right now. Fuck you all. Girl, you are on fire. Right? All right, racist confession time. I, I shouldn't have said that like that. <laughs> um, But that was a uh, that was an excellent rant. Thank you. Uh, you should better. You should get into politics. Oh, no, I shouldn't. Um, Someone needs to hand you the megaphone. That's what needs to happen. <laughs> Um, I think is your, oh wait, no, that noise was from, is your phone about to die? No. Oh, I heard a, I heard a noise. I thought it was, I don't think it's my phone. My phone's fine. Was it me laughing? Did that confuse you? Yeah. Like, What's that sound? You sound like a robot when you laugh. Um, <laughs> so in any case, I get, we, we're not doing a very long episode, um, because we were talking on the phone, uh, privately for our Patreoners beforehand. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon to get into the secret conversations that Marine and I have, uh, you can join our pa- Patreon at patreon.com forward slash two hoes Adelco. That's number two, H O E S F R O M D E L C O. And I totally am brain dead today because I was like losing my spot on spelling that out the whole time. But um, that's our Patreon. It, you can join for $5 a month and you can get into our secret conversations before then we record a very short, shallow, sort of representation of our real podcast which is on patreon.com forward slash two hosts from delco why are you full of lies um that's true we don't actually have a patreon that's just the patreon section of the podcast so now that you bring it up um (laughs) i'll keep bringing it up um but i want to move on to the topic um that is philosophy and for for what was really bothering me from the last episode is like i mean i'm trying to read guattari and i'm actually still on this book and i'm on an interesting part of it now that i really enjoy which is about like childhood development um Mm -hmm. and uh uh felix guattari i don't know if i'm saying his name right was a student of um jacques lacan so there's, I don't know if you know Lacan's, um, I don't. he's a psychiatrist and like was really popular for, um, talking about early childhood development and things like the mirror stage in infancy, which is the mirror stage is when it's the first time you recognize your, yourself as like a person, your ego, like, um, and your sense of self. And he also talks a lot about how our early childhood dynamics of family, like form, our like social responses for like the rest of our life and like you know a major part of our ego and how like we 
think of masculine, feminine, like all that kind of shit, like is developed within like the first three years of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been it's interesting. Yeah, that's been interesting. And then again, Guattari is constantly telling you to be at odds with like Western civilization in terms of um, uh, naming things and to always be open to um, like the possibilities of everything. And to not oh, be... like, I mean, when you say naming things like the language thing, yeah, like language creating reality kind yes, of shit. Yes, absolutely. Getting too far in the box, gotcha. Right, and like Freud does that, and... Um... Alan Watts talks a lot about that. He's a oh, Zen, okay. Zen, a Western Zen uh, from like the 70s, like the old school, like first wave of, you I've... know, people bringing Buddhism over here. Yeah, I think you've brought Alan Watts up again uh, a lot of times. He's... Is there like, oh yeah, actually, that's right. So I listened to Alan Watts's, um The Joke of Death on YouTube. I think you yeah, sent it to me in a I text. I did. And that was really interesting. Um, it definitely, yeah, it was very freeing sounding yes, and also right? very much about confronting death. And um, I really enjoyed his talk. And he's like a good speaker, too. Yeah, I know. I like him i actually he at first for a long time creeped me the fuck out because he reminded me of a child molester um, oh i get but that i, vibe I actually him, yeah. really i like him because he talks a lot about deconstructing western culture from like a zen buddhist perspective and um also the caveats that can come from studying us the western or studying eastern culture because they have like a fully different basis for everything like you said like you're all this shit is formed like before you're three years old yeah you know, so if there is things you need to be aware of, like crossing cultures like that. Um, there, there's like, uh, a, 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 five lessons of life from Alan Watts, um, that I can read like really quickly to know, yeah. to know that you can do nothing is the beginning. Lesson one is I give up. What happens now? You find yourself in what is perhaps a rather unfamiliar state of mind. Just watching, not trying to get anything, not expecting anything, not seeking, just trying to relax, just watching without purpose. Totally alien to our culture. Uh, Yeah, like get rid of knowledge, eject wisdom, and the people will be benefited, benefited a hundredfold. Which is honestly, I'm going through a kind of stage like that um, right now because I'm quitting social media. That feels very much like quitting social media to me. Yeah. Um, okay. you're, you're like letting go of like a reality structure you've been like a part of and you know what it's a bullshit reality structure where everybody fights yep it's very negative space uh, so lesson two from Alan Watts on uncertainty and insecurity to be secure means to isolate and fortify the I but it is just the feeling of being an isolated I which makes me feel lonely and afraid in other words the more security I can get the more I shall want to put it more plainly the desire for security and the feeling of insecurity are the same thing. To hold your breath is to lose your breath. Wow. The only thing that is constant is change. Mm-hmm. Uh, no man ever steps in a, the same river twice for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. True. You know, I really like that because le- I had a dream about a river last night and um, cool. that's like I was looking up in a dream dictionary, which is actually something Guattari would, would speak against because, Mm. um, you know, they're like all based on collective unconscious and like all that. And those are defined terms, but I would agree with that too. Yeah. But in any case, the river is essentially 
uh, meaning like what that that quote was from uh, her her Heraclitus. I'm not saying that right. I'm sure I sound like an idiot. Anyway, um, but yeah, that it's like a symbol of change. Symbol um, of life too, like yeah. of the big, you know, uh, you know, the collective unconscious is a river. Uh, here's this is a very Eastern philosophy thing from Alan Watts. The more a thing tends to be permanent, the more it tends to be lifeless. Like we were talking wow. about, like before. Um, let's see. On the present moment, this is lesson number five. We're skipping to lesson number five. Not very, um, very Western of me to skip through the lessons to the end. Anyway, <laughs> I have realized that the past and the present are real illusions. That they exist only in the present, which is what there is and all that there is. From yeah. one point of view, the present is shorter than a microsecond. From another, it embraces all eternity. Forever. But there isn't anywhere or anyone else to be. Yep. Crazy. It's like fucking crazy. Because yeah. our minds define everything. Like you, they define they, and create this whole reality out of your current idea of the past and the future. And that's it. That's like all it is. So I wanted to like read from uh, the, because what I was getting confused was when we were talking about time, right? And we were talking about like how uh, Terrence McKenna was thinking outside of li the linear timeline and we were, and he was thinking, um, God, what was, it was, what was the word you were, fractal, like mm. how um, the time wave zero is is like fractals like for so for instance yes. the wave um repeats itself in like many ways exactly no matter how whatever. small you go yeah no matter how or small you, it repeats itself so and then i was like that's like the rhizome but i was wrong that's not like what the rhizome um because i was just thinking in fractals like in a spreading out you know kind of way which yeah. is what the rhizome is, but I wanted to read like exactly the term here because instead of having me try to uh, explain it, but so uh, Deleuze and Guattari use the terms rhizome and rhizomatic to describe theory and research that allows for multiple non-hierarchical entry and exit points and data representation and interpretation. Uh, in A Thousand Plateaus, they oppose it to and uh, heretic tree-like conception of knowledge, which works with dualist character categories and binary choices. A rhizome works with planar and trans-species connections, while an aborescent ab model works with vertical and linear connections. There, so that's why I was getting confused because it, it's like, because um, we were thinking the opposite of linear connections, basically, is what I was trying to say about how Deleuze and whatever, Guattari are talking about, whatever. Um, their use of the orchid and the wasp is taken from the biological concept of mutualism in which two different species interact together to form a multiplicity, a unity that is multiple in itself. Hybridization and horizontal gene transfer would also be good, illustra good illustrations. As a model for culture, the rhizome resists the organizational structure of the root tree system with charged casuality along chronological lines and looks for the original source of things and looks towards the pinnacle or conclusion of those things. So when I was using the example as the tree as the rhizome, I was wrong, you know. Gotcha. So that's like what I wanted to correct myself on. 
A rhizome, on the other hand, is categorized by ceaselessly established connections between semiotic chains, organizations of power, and circumstances relative to the arts, sciences, and social struggles. So that's how they see the sign, the rhizome, in contrast to the tree-like structure that in which the internet was first developed. Rather than okay. rather than narrative history and culture. The rhizome presents history and culture as a map or wide array of attractions and influences with no specific origin or genesis. For a rhizome has no beginning or end. It is always in the middle, between things, interbeing. The planner movement of the rhizome resists chronology and organization, instead favoring a nomadic system of growth and propagation. In this model, culture spreads like the surface of a body of water, spreading towards available spaces or trickling downwards towards new spaces through fissures and gaps, eroding what is in its way. The surface can be interrupted and moved, but these disturbances leave no trace as the water is charged with pressure and potential to always seek its equilibrium and thereby establish smooth space. So anyway, yeah, that's and their whole philosophy is based on this rhizome um, idea of philosophy uh, and um, whatever. So, which I find very interesting. Very, very interesting. I don't know, um, like, uh, I, I want to be mindful to put that in practice. I would have, that's all I have to say on that. Um, so, Philosophy. What other philosophers do you like, Maureen? Well, wasn't I, um, wasn't I? I, I, know, I don't remember why, but I was talking about the Plato philosophy, the copy of a copy, and, like, the, mm. how things come, like, from the original, like, higher realm. Yeah. Um, that's, like, the main, like, of the, like, classic philosophers. That's, like, what I always think of. Um, shadows because, in a cave. Oh, shadows like on the wall. That That's there's like these this more original pure space, and that we're like a reflection of it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's like really, that's some really deep shit right there. I also find that I, as an artist, I think most artists are drawn to that um, idea of aesthetics as well. Mm-hmm. Um, where an artist is trying to express that space, you know, but is it's like futile because you can't, yeah, you can't, yeah, you can't copy you, anything you do is a copy of it. It doesn't matter. There's no authentic like reality in art, and it's, yeah, and it's almost like creation can only go one way. Like, you, like it's already created. Yeah. And it's like purest form. Like, but when it comes from your brain that was like created from that pure form, like you can't like go back to a pure form. It like goes to something less pure. Yeah. That's the constant struggle I feel as an artist right there. That That's like the best description I can imagine. Interesting. Um, that is something that you say with philosophy and and people listening to this conversation. If you're you find yourself in a philosophical conversation. Interesting is like a good thing to uh, retort. And um, oh yeah, yeah, that's like, definitely. Sometimes you don't have anything to say yet. Yeah, that's fine. Um, that would be like okay. Here's one. I, Hegel's becoming has been coming up. Um, the idea. Do you know anything about Hegel? I know the name. 
Um, go go on. Um, okay, well... Uh, like H-I-E-G-E-L? H-E-G-E-L. H-E-G-E-L? I don't think I've read any Hegel. Like, I mean, I think I definitely had to answer a question on Hegel, like, in college. But, um... Uh... So, well, I'll just, like, let's see. Where's some kind of... Uh... Well, God, I don't know. Well, Hegel is Hegelianism is the philosophy of G.W.F. Hegel, which can be summed up by the dictum that the rational alone is real. Okay, so there's a summation of of his um, philosophy, which means that, that it which means that all reality is capable of being expressed in rational cat categories. His goal was to reduce reality to a more synthetic unity within the system of a absolute idealism. So is he talking about like representing reality through math kind of thing? Representing reality through what? Through mathematics. Oh, you know what? That's interesting. Um, I don't think Hegel did was into mathematics. No, but so tell me more about what that means. What you just said. Um, that's I don't know because I don't know okay. that. <laughs> But, like, I do know that, like, Kegel didn't write, like, in mathematical terms. Like, for instance, Guattari that I'm reading now does write in mathematical terms. And I know that even Terence McKenna, too, like, wrote in mathematical terms. But, um, yeah. uh, let's see. I mean, we could talk about the rational alone is real. Like, I Who guess. the rational alone? Uh, I, I think it's, it might be, maybe it has a connection to stoicism. Like, you know, the, um like the rational outcome of anything is is what the reality is like so if you think like a rock is hard then the rock is hard right there's okay. nothing more beyond it it's a rock and it's hard your silence means that i don't think um, you're just following looking, wait wait no i get what you're saying uh i mean but that's like i mean you know uh, that's literally um, all I'm able to get. I was actually thinking when we were doing this episode, like, don't bring up Hegel, don't bring up Hegel, because it's a philosopher. I'm like, I'm like, what? You know? And well, same. I just want to get what that even means. See, that's the thing about this. It's like, that's why it's like, oh, interesting. Because I'm like, I have to look up all the words she just said after this. Mm -hmm. uh, there's this Medium article that comes up. Um, Hegel on being nothingness and becoming with Stephen Holgate. Uh, anyway, it says, uh, philosophers had traditionally thought of the thought in terms of logical possibility, necessity, contradiction, and non-contradiction. For Hegel, however, thinking must at least be the thought of is. This, to put it simply, must come before the more logical ways of seeing, thought, or cognition. That is, before we can arrive at a determinate understanding of any possibility, actuality, or necessity that is of anything at all, we must at least think of such an undetermined possibility, actuality, or necessity, necessity as being whatever it is. So this continental interest in being isn't anti-intellectual, as it is often seen in Anglo-American analytical philosophy. It's more a position of the prior nature of being, before it's conceptualized or embodied within various logical contexts. 
So there's so the eagle on becoming is the spot between being and nothing because it's the spot of like um, consciousness, like becoming conscious of something. Well, and that's becoming. Okay. Uh, I guess so. I mean, I want to uh, read more Hegel because he's been coming up a lot in conversations. And so it's led me to be like interested. Um, and this is the second article for medium.com. So that just shows you like that this isn't a very deep conversation. So everyone should just take our talking points as a point of interest, um, a, a place to dismount from. And or is that even the word? Well, that's what I'm saying. This is, like, the first time I'm being introduced to this idea, which is why I'm, like, uh, like, I'm, like, trying to look up what, like, even the basic, like, what his use of the word rational even means and real. Like, I don't even know what that means in this context. You know what I'm saying? So I'm and definitely going to have to look it up. I would say with every philosopher that you encounter, all of them, the whole point of philosophy is the to determine reality. What is real? Right. And, like, what you were saying, Plato, who is, you know, the first philosopher whatever, uh, of Western culture that, you know, is essentially the discussion of what is real. Um, but I, you know, and I also, I have on my bookshelf, that's like my, one of my books to read. Um, uh, it's the, well, I guess it's Satra is how you say his name, Jean-Paul Satra, which is, um, I read like essays of him from him um, before when I was like, I have like a book on a collection of um, philosophers that um, uh, that is like a, I think it's like, I think the book's called like existential philosophy and it's like a, just a short, you know, collection of excerpts of different existential philosophers. Um, and uh, Jean-Paul Sartre, I always found to be funny, like in the in the context of reading. Um, so I was drawn to him in that sort of way. Right. And um, but I also like he has the one quote that um, about three o'clock, which I always thought of for the three o'clock book. Really? Comics. Yeah. Let me get the exact quote. It's something like uh, three o'clock is like the time of day where it's either too early or too late to do anything important, something like that. That's funny. Um, <laughs> it kind of is. Oh, yeah, actually, that's exactly what the quote is. Three o'clock is always too late or too early for anything you want to do. That's hilarious. And uh, Jean-Paul Sartre has a lazy eye, which also adds to his comedic flair as a philosopher, I feel. That is awesome. Um, but I have his book Being and Nothingness on my to-do read list. So, um, Yeah, I'm definitely more familiar with like his name and ideas than, than Hegel. Um, but I also just wanted to read from uh, Wikipedia, another one of our sponsors for today's podcast, on uh, existentialism. So existentialism is a form of philosophical inquiry that explores the problem of human existence and centers on the lived experience of the thinking, feeling, and acting individual. In the view of the existentialist, existentialist, the individual's starting point has been the existential angst, or variably existential attitude, dread, 
or a sense of disorientation, confusion, or anxiety in the face of an apparently meaningless or absurd world. So, yeah, I feel like existentialism is a place that you might come to um, either before or after nihilism, maybe. Yeah. Um, I would, yeah, they have here, um, Dostoevsky is uh, considered an existentialist thinker, which I like, Crime and Punishment is like one of my favorite novels. Um, and I also found the, um, oh my God, now I can't think of the book, The Stranger. Why can't I think of the, um, the author of The Stranger? Um, is that even the book I'm, yeah, Albert Camus, The Stranger. That's an existential sort of crisis book as well. Um, I remember talking to somebody, like I was reading The Stranger, uh, like, I think I was like, when I read The Stranger, I was like, uh, 25 or 24 or something like that. And, um, someone came up and was like, oh, you're reading The Stranger? And I was like, yeah. And they said, I read that in eighth grade. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so that's my takeaway from that novel. (laughs) (laughs) Their first album was better. It's, um, not that long. Um, so I can imagine it's good for an eighth grader to read, but it's also, it's very dark. It's about like murder and shit. So, um, anyway, um, so I just, I remember, um, Satra being really funny from when I read this book on existential philosophers in like, uh, I also read this book like 20 years ago, probably. So, um, But I, and yeah, so I guess my, I'm trying to think of other books I've read recently. I mean, I have another one on deck on aesthetics. That's another thing with philosophy. I feel like people turn to philosophy to uh, understand aesthetics as well, which is how as an artist, like I've gotten into it um, because it just like contextualizes art more for me. Right. Uh, And you know, well, I learned that Plato thing. That was it was definitely an aesthetics, like a philosophy of aesthetics class that I learned and had to read that book about that Plato. Yeah, thing. yeah. Um, I also read a while ago this book called Metapolitics by Elaine Badu. I think that's mm-hmm. how he's a French philosopher. A lot of philosophers are French um, or German. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, I, I could not really understand this book. It's kind of the way, the same way I feel about this Guattari book. Like I'm just trying to soak it in as much as possible. And I think it's interesting because the metapolitics and this other book I'm reading, the Chaosmosis, are um, uh, have like a political skew to them. Reality, you know, an idea of of trying to center and understand political reality and how. Mm-hmm how to uh, change its direction in a way that's anti-capitalist. So, mm-hmm. um, but I, I still own that book. Actually, I read it twice, the Metapolitics, because I didn't feel like I understood it. And so I read it twice and I still did not really understand it, except that the, the biggest takeaway I could put forth is that um, all politics is political theater and spectacle and uh yeah it's about people trying to get power for themselves and they have to put on this show to get other people to give it to them yeah 
Um, and then let's see that. Well, I read Guy Debord Society is a Spectacle in uh, college. That's like, um, is, I don't know if Guy Debord is really considered a philosopher. Oh, he is. He's a philosopher. Yeah. So I read I mean him. You were reading up on some Buddhist philosophy right now, and basically, especially I think yeah. in the that Tibetan tradition, this is all an illusion, and like, like all an illusion. Absolutely, Nothing, none of this is real. It's all a dream. It's all an illusion. Like they seriously, that book talks about like a meditation where you like repeat to yourself, "This is all a dream. This is all an illusion," to like make yourself fucking realize that this is all a dream and an illusion. I'm really excited to get to the meditation practices in this book. Yeah, I, there's like visualization practices. Yeah. Um, there's like, they're like kind of like the more advanced ones too. Like there's uh, lucid dreaming is extremely important in this tradition. So like mm. there's practices to help you um, stay awake during your dream because being able to do that is how you're going to be able to stay aware when you die so that you can wow, that's amazing. take full advantage of that. Yeah. The purpose of all of these in the, that you're going to read in this book, the purpose of everything is to prepare for death. Which because is, that's when you can you say, what's his name? I know it's like Dunlop. I think it's, I, I, uh, it's like Dodgechin Ponlop or something. Okay. That sounds closer Zogchen, than. Dodgechin. I, I honestly don't know. Dodgechin. It's Mind Beyond Death to any of our readers or our listeners um, that might be interested in reading this book that I'm reading. And Maureen, are you, do you, you're, you're reading it now, right? Or I have actually had the book for years. And like what made me think of it was you said the thing about reading things twice. Like there's parts of that book that I've read multiple times and parts that I still haven't like gotten to. Yeah. It's like pretty long and dense. Um, and I don't, I'm really bad at like finishing books. Well, like you entire book at one time. You like to re you read more books that are like, mm, uh, well, they're they're nonfiction, like so. Yeah, so you can read them in pieces. Yeah, it's not like um, you know, the same. I would say I read I'm I enjoy more so reading fiction than I do nonfiction. Although I'm looking at my my to read books and I have a lot of nonfiction books. Um, I think I'm really trying to. I think I'm going through some kind of like. Ex, like um existential crisis no I, I'm going through like a an enlightenment um period for myself I'm trying to um change the direction of my life and my thinking right now and that's why I'm reading a lot of philosophical texts and books on aesthetics and stuff like that so which is astrologically indicated basically for the whole world right now that I'm books. yeah I'm just I'm going with the flow here I'm riding the wave um, mm -hmm. yeah uh Pluto is, like heavily influencing us yeah i mean this is but and i would say too like a lot of these western uh, philosophers like the society is the spectacle is essentially um in the marxist tradition of um of describing the workers place within the bourgeoisie um politic political system and trying to the book is trying to put forth and empower how much um empower the workers by real by bringing them into reality out of the spectacle and realizing their power their their right, sheer strength and numbers right yeah well and this was in like the i think this book came out in 1960 1968 mm -hmm. when the hell does society society of spectacle now 
I don't know. I think it was 68. Um, which was another time. Actually, I wanted to, going back to the astrology, like, um, I'm so glad you're saying this. <laughs> well, because they, when they were saying that this, there was a brief stint in Aquarius like yep. 20 years ago. Yep. Well, okay. That's not really the sixties then. I, I guess I was thinking of like the sixties, seventies, like, like the civil rights movement, all that change that happened repeating now. And what yeah, that so means? a lot of the, I, all I know is that there are a lot of planets that like, so in astrology, you know, it's like cycles and things move in and out. So at that point, there was like almost a preview of like, what's going to be happening now astrologically with, with like planets moving into Aquarius and like Uranus squares, Uranus square, I think happens every 20 years with certain planets. Yeah. So like, could it, it's possible that there's some sort of thing like that, but like, yes. So like there's things going on there's things that happened astrologically at that time during the sixties, which was like when a lot of this stuff came up. And also there was a lot of race protests and, and, and things coming up of that nature, but also Uh there was fucking, we were sending rockets to the moon and that is happening now. And it hasn't like been a thing, you know what I mean? For years. And, and it's like all of these things that like briefly came up in the sixties and, and um, the other main thing is psychedelics. Like, it's all coming back now, and it's, like, possible that looking back to that time is giving us a preview of, like, what, where we're going. How is it coming back to psychedelics now? What's... The psychedelic, I mean, there's a whole psychedelic renaissance going on. Like, they're become, like, they've been decriminalized even in certain places uh, to be used for uh, medical use. And, like, in the 60s, there was a lot of um, research that was going on, especially with LSD, that got shut down by the government, like, and it got completely demonized. And all of these drugs got put in with, like, heroin, when, like, really the outcome of them is, like, very, very different for people if they're used in the right context. But, like, we are just finding this out now in the world of psychology. So in use for, like, trauma, which, like, a lot of times is the root of, like, people's fucking heroin addictions. Like, people have been told that, like, those drugs will like make you worse when like used in the proper context, they can actually be very healing to people on a deep, deep level psychologically that you just can't get to basically any other way other than like, they say it's like the same as like years and years of psychotherapy that like you can have these experiences if they're guided correctly, you can uh, work out a lot of your deep shit. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so it's just like all of these things coming up, like the unconscious mind, like all thinking about all these things. Um, they say astrologically, if you look at times where like thing, you know, there's like some foreshadowing, right. in mm-hmm. certain times. And if you look to the time you're talking about, like it's there. And that's also when all these Eastern philosophies were crossing over to the West. And like, it's, there's this unification of like the East and West, um, which does include conflict, but ultimately like that's where we're going. Mm-hmm. Interesting. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I think, you know, I think we should do closing thoughts on philosophy. And I know, um, to our listeners who are loyal, all 20 of you, um, that listen to our podcast that we're, we apologize that it's an hour, only an hour, because normally we do two to three hour podcasts. Yeah, you're probably gonna be sad. You're gonna be lonely for the next couple hours. Um, but you know, we were just talking for so long in the private part of the podcast that's on our Patreon that um, we don't want to like, we, we have things we have to do. It's a Sunday. Um, it's a beautiful day today, too. 
It is real. I have the like not the the windows actually open, but I have the shades up because I'm letting in the sun. Do you? I'm gonna be making a Mexican yeah. casserole. Ooh, that sounds That's interesting. Well, so I made it before, and mm-hmm. I was just like looking for a way to use up like some ground beef that I had. But like this particular recipe, like you put down a layer of um, soft taco shells, and then you put cheese, and then soft taco shells, and then you like put the meat and stuff, and then another layer of soft taco shells, cheese, soft taco shells, and then more of like the. It's so fucking good. Oh my god, that sounds. I, Gus would never let me make that. Really? It's, like, too much, like, it's meat too and much. shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would, like, I mean, if I make, I love to make baked macaroni and cheese, and every time I do, I have to listen to Gus go, oh, it's so rich. It's too oh, rich. Man, see, like, yeah, that would, because all I've been it's making too all rich. winter has been casseroles and, like, baked mac and cheese and stuff like that. Yeah, he does, <laughs> like, whereas, like, I'm totally into that. Um, yeah. But... For some people, it's just too rich. Too rich. Yeah. Well, um, I'll send you this, this, and you can make it all for yourself one time when he's not there. Yeah, I should. Because um, it's not. It's just like ground beef. That said, I I did. I made a baked ziti. Um, mm. he's okay with those. He's okay with me making baked zitis and lasagnas. Like he's fine with. Um, well, yeah. Carl would probably not like the baked ziti because, like, the rigatoni or the uh the cheese the what's it called ricotta. The ricotta would it would be it, too much. Some people are grossed out by ricotta. Yeah, people. Yeah, yeah there's. I I mix my ricotta with like an egg before I put it in, so it kind of solidifies it more. Um, so it doesn't like melt into. You know, I don't know. It makes it more good solid. Uh, uh, no, that's a good tip because I do want to make. I do want to get some ricotta cheese and make. So some for people things. who are grossed out by slimy ricotta, um, put an egg in there when you bake it, and it kind of solidifies it more. But, hey Beth. What? Beth, do you think that we should put this part of the podcast about our our partner's food preferences just in the Patreon because it's like really deep to yeah. our lives? Oh, I think we should. Um, we yeah. should include or should this we in... let him keep it? Should we let him keep this? Oh, you mean yeah? Like should uh, we edit this? <laughs> should we edit this part out? You mean? Yeah. Or should it... we let him keep it? Um. I don't know. Um, people of the pod, what do you think? Should we let you have access <laughs> you to... just heard? Um, well, I think we should just let them have it because it's just too late. Really... We've been talking too long about it. Um, that I, I, I don't really... Well, I'll, I'll definitely edit out your phone number, but I don't... Whenever I actually say I'll edit this out, I'm always joking because I don't edit these podcasts at all. Um, I think that's evident if you're a regular listener that these are unedited conversations but um you know i think we should leave that in there for for the people of the pod um all right it's our our gift to you we i mean we got real personal with the patreoners so they Mm -hmm. they got enough they got enough um and they listen to this too so it's not like we're keeping anything from them well true i'm just saying like you know you can't like give it all away for free yeah you can't give it away that's true (laughs) Um, that's true. So, uh, is cooking like philosophy at all, you think, or? I mean, everything is philosophy. To me, everything is, I am in a constant state of existential crisis. So like, yes, for me, cooking is about philosophy because like that whole fucking time I'm like thinking about like whether like the eggs are really real, not, not to that degree, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Everything's philosophy. 
Like, what's the fucking point of this? That's what I think when I'm cooking. What's the fucking point of this? What's the fucking point of this? And if that's not philosophy, I don't know what is. Um, also, like, I, yeah, I have an immense dread of cooking, which reminds me of philosophy. I would say with philosophy, though, that's so true. Like, what you said, like, I, every time I'm, like, reading it, I'm like, oh, yeah, it is like that. That's kind of what philosophy experience, reading philosophy is like. Which is, to me, I'm always like, I guess I'm like Hegel in this way, because it's something I intrinsically understand and don't need to read about. Yeah, because it's about your living experience. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. And I would also say the other thing that turns me off from philosophy is the way that they all reference each other. Um in text so you kind of if you don't like if you haven't read somebody else and you'll be reading this philosopher and then he'll be like oh like this you know and you'll be like fuck I haven't read Baudrillard or however you say that French philosopher's name and I'll be like so I don't really know what he's talking about so then I I mean and do I like go and read the Baudrillard I'm probably saying his name wrong no, I don't. I just kind of go, okay, and skip over it. But that's, that's um, philosophy is very uh, pretentious in that way because it's all self-referencing, self-referential, so that um, a layman like myself, it's very, if you're not in school, it's very hard to take up this um, intellectual pursuit by yourself on your own. Yes, which is why I resort to YouTube videos. It's not really, it's not really a medium for the autodidactic. Um, I don't even know what that means. I've heard it, but I don't know what it means. It's it's a self taught person. Oh, oh, well, which is very much. I think that's where again, like I think that's where we're going. Like ultimately, just like right because that's what the internet is. Right. Exactly. So, like, you can teach. I think. It's possible in the next few years we'll, we might see some of our access be taken, like more restrictions on our access, that's like I said. scary. But I think that will pass. Like I think all this shit that's going on right now it is going to let up eventually. So there's hope because and we're changing. It, it, all this uncomfortability is just taking us to something where everybody's going to have more access to things, hopefully. And this is kind of like the point where our Congress has been arguing over the internet being a utility or not um, in previous years. And that, and we failed by the way, it's it it was deemed, you know, it's not a utility and it is owned by private companies. So. Yep. And and they're going to be like, there's data caps going back into effect. Yeah. Um, Carl was telling me last night, like for someone who plays a lot of games, like he does, like the data cap is not like a lot. Wow. Um, Okay. It's it, and because what he, his point was, what he's doing is like what the average household is doing now, like the amount of data that he's using. Like it's not like me where I'm like, I'll just watch a YouTube video. Like yeah. for me, it wouldn't be like a big deal. But for people who are actually doing shit on their computers, working from home, playing games, downloading things, uploading things, it is not a lot. Uh, yeah, so it, it is already less accessible if you are having financial issues and you're relying on your computer uh-huh. and your internet access. You may be having some extra expenses coming up. Oh, God. Depending um, on your provider and everything, yeah. I think anyway, it's podcast, I think we're um, We hope that we um, enlightened you in this philosophical discussions that we just had. Um, yeah, I mean, I hope we're not too depressing, but, I mean, the world's a little depressing right now. 
Philosophy is depressing too, by the way. Yeah. I, I don't really, I've Looking never, reality is depressing. what's that? Looking at reality is depressing. Yeah. I've never read a philosophical text and been like, you know, happy. Um, I do sometimes because I find it like freeing when it comes to the conclusion that none of this is like any meaning at all. I'm like, oh, thank God. Well, yeah, I guess the Too Eastern philosophers, <laughs> the Eastern philosophy, philosophy is more, um, you know, whatever. Whereas I would say the majority of like philosophical texts that I read, I'm realizing are anti-capitalist. So it's very much like the system is fucked, you know, yeah, kind of mentality. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess, um, we should, we should go. Um, and I will, I'll continue to talk about, we'll continue to talk about the texts that we're reading that are philosophical bent because i think both each of us have always been um uh amateur like have an amateur sort of interest in philosophy a, a midwit interest in philosophy you know so yeah for sure um okay well um i don't know uh, ever i i don't ever who does know how to end things um it's a tough question, Beth. I guess like one way to end this podcast is to um, be bring bring some thought from um, Professor Dunlop, which I can't say his name, but the Buddhist priest. Um, and oh, what's his name? Uh, I, yeah, Pan Panlop Pan probably. But I thought there was a D in there. Well, the, it's like Zogchen, which I think is like his title. Oh, okay. Um, well, then uh, I would like to bring some philosophical gleaning from, from what, who I'm going to call Dunlop. And that the to always think of the end of something as the opportunity and beginning of something else. Absolutely, Beth. Good call. And I love you, Maureen. I love you, too. Um, and if you're listening to us, I love you. Yeah, we. <laughs> I mean, if you if you listened if you're listening to us, I, we don't need to do the suicide hotline because this was only an hour episode. But if you're listening to this, I love you too. And right, um, thank you needed you. that. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone. Podcast. Podcast. Do do Two hoes, two hoes. Whorehouse on the hill. From Delco. Whorehouse on the hill. Oh, yeah, it's the whorehouse on the hill. Two hoes. Two hoes. Don't roll your skirt too short. Everybody's gonna wanna be up in that shorts.